Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones had just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent route. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I am really glad to have back on the show somebody who I loved having on the first time, and hopefully he'll become a more frequent guest. I know that there have been a lot of demands on his time because of what he does for a living. This time of year, a very popular guy. Glad he could come back on the show. Eric Edholm, who is the lead draft analyst for Yahoo Sports. Eric, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, like you said, I'm I'm popular about uh, one month out of twelve, and then everybody ignores me. My kids, my family, <laughs> you know, draft fans, everybody. So I I'm happy you still remembered who I am. I appreciate that. Well, Eric, you're always going to be popular on this show with me. Even if we don't talk about the draft, we could have an hour long conversation about the greatness of Dale Murphy. If you want to go 55, 56 minutes on Dale and like three or four on the Jets, that's fine. I'm not, you know, I'm not your producer. I'm not your uh, script writer. So whatever way you want to, (laughs) that's my guy right there. I was like, that was my, uh, that was my favorite ball player growing up. So sounds like you're a fan as well. 
we talked about him the last time you were on, but one of the more underrated baseball players of all time. If you don't remember watching Dale Murphy play, highly suggest you look him up, find some video clips. In fact, these days you can find full games. What a great player he was to watch. And I'm hoping, Eric, that some of the guys the Jets got are going to be just as fun to watch. Different sport, but still amazing athletes who can do amazing things. And I got to give you credit. And I never doubted you, and I actually was saying a lot of what you were saying in terms of Sauce Gardner. You had the Jets taking Sauce Gardner all the way through, and you kept saying, I don't think they're taking Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't think they're taking Kayvon Thibodeau. And it didn't sound like you were biting on the other rumors about them taking Jermaine Johnson at four. It felt like a pass rusher wasn't going to happen unless something crazy like Aiden Hutchinson falling in number four occurred, which obviously didn't. You said the whole way, Jets aren't going to take a pass rusher at four. They're going to go with Sauce Gardner. What made you believe that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was that the, the Jets, from what I gather, were, were starting to feel like the possibility of getting a corner at 10 was pretty remote. There was, you know, there, I, I credit Joe Douglas and his staff for, for being able to juggle, you know, multiple balls and try to figure out all right, how do we maximize these picks and how do we get the most bang for our buck? And they knew just sort of looking at the board that, you know, it was Gardner and Stingley, Stingley and Gardner, whatever order you had them in. Uh, and then there was a little bit of a drop off until you got to Trent McDuffie, Kyrie Elam, and, and the next sort of tier of corners. And nothing against those guys, they're really good prospects, but I think just the general consensus was there was a different level of, of talent with Stingley and Gardner and, um, you know, different teams had them in different orders. So they, they knew that if, if either one of those guys went off the board, you know, early on, it was going to be really tough for, for them to get one, you know, to wait till 10 or, or try to move up from 10. And it just felt like, okay, this is the way we got to handle it. We've got to get, like you said, unless there was a bizarre scenario where Hutchinson fell or, or Trayvon Walker or whoever, you know, We've got to go corner at four, and then we'll swing back most likely for the receiver. That's how it ended up working out. And the fact that they were able to, you know, kind of re-enter uh, the, the picture a little bit and get uh, Jermaine Johnson at, what, 26 or whatever they got him. Yeah, I think that was that was uh, really what made the draft weekend, I think, you know, pretty complete for them. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Eric, you talked on your podcast with your colleague Charles Robinson over at Yahoo about how the Jets had Garrett Wilson rated very highly. And we know Joe Douglas came out and said Wilson was rated in the top eight. He was their top receiver. Is it possible that if Gardner had gone at three instead of Stingley, that the Jets would have taken Garrett Wilson at four instead of waiting to see if he was going to be available at number 10? I think it's possible. Yeah, I think they had enough of a a strong grade on him. I don't know what what their their feelings were on Stingley, but it felt like Gardner was, was ahead of him on their board. And I think probably, you know, by a, a measurable amount. So that, that certainly is possible. I don't think it would have been their ideal scenario. Obviously this, I think the way it worked out is as close to what they were hoping for coming in, uh, especially, you know, coming back with the early second rounder as well, being able to keep that pick. I mean, it, yeah, I, I think there were there was a small list. You kind of wonder what the offensive line, how that position was stacked on their board. But yeah, realistically, I think and and they explored veteran options too at receiver. You know, there's no question about it. We know all the the guys they pursued, and it, it certainly was a possibility for them. But it didn't work out, and I think they felt like you know if we get Wilson at ten, that's outstanding. If we have to take him earlier. So be it. But yeah, I have. I think they have to feel pretty thrilled about how it worked out. Eric, talking about the first round and how it played out for the New York Jets, there were a lot of people that were discussing Kayvon Thibodeau in the lead up to this. And as I said before, you said you didn't believe the Jets were enamored with Thibodeau. And that's essentially what came out a day or two before the draft. Now, that could have been a smokescreen, but as it turns out, it wasn't. He ends up going to the Giants at number five. You want to talk about smokescreens. The Giants pulled off the smokescreen of all smokescreens by putting out there that they'd had a terrible meeting with Thibodeau and he was basically off their board and then picking him at number five. But I was curious what it was about Thibodeau from what you heard that the Jets didn't like. Was it his personality? Was it that they didn't like his tape as much as some people thought they would? Was it a little of column A, a little of column B? Yeah, without knowing specifically what what Joe and the and the Jets felt, because you know I don't want to you know act as if I'm uh, you know a mouthpiece for them or anything like that. But you know, it definitely felt like you know the sense was that there was a little bit of concern. Yeah, there was some some stiffness in his in his hips at times, and he's not as developed on the lower you know lower body. He probably needs a little bit more strength and things like that. You know, I mean, there there are some physical concerns, but the, yeah, there there is also the question of how does he fit within our locker room? How does he fit personality wise? Is he going to be, you know, too concerned about his brand? I mean, there was one team that I talked about, and you know, as they were explaining to me, you get these combine interviews; they're supposed to last twenty minutes. By the time you, you know, shake hands and uh, take your backpack off and sit down, and you know, get the introductions done, you're down to eighteen minutes, if that. And, you know, as, as another team said that 
you know, I, I heard the word brand three different times in my interview or <laughs> in, in their interview with them. And, and it's not like that teams are, you know, don't want players to, to cash in on their, you know, to, to use a college term, name, image, and likeness. Obviously, you know, if you establish yourself as a star, if you get to that point where, you know, endorsements are coming your way, great. I mean, that's, you know, that, if anything, that might root you to a, a, a city or a team or a location or have you kind of, you know, branded as, as being, you know, marketable within that team. And so there's, there's, you know, a good symbiotic relationship for, for players to have individual success within the, the team structure and all that. But there's also a concern when a guy who hasn't stepped foot on an NFL field yet is, is kind of putting the cart before the horse, as it were. At least that's how they view it. I mean, some teams will say, you know, like the team down the road said, no, we, we like that confidence. We like that fire. So, yeah, I, I did think that was pretty interesting that that report came out about the Giants. And, you know, I kind of misplayed my hand on my on my mock draft a little bit. And the way that the way the Jets our Giants did, it was really interesting too. taking Thibodeau at, at five as opposed to the offensive lineman. You know, there, there was obvious it was obvious that Carolina was going to if they didn't take a quarterback would go offensive line at six. So they were risking losing Evan Neal in doing so. But they're you know, if. I think that what they're thinking was Carolina was so desperate to trade down. They'd rather have the higher rated player of the two. Uh, and there was another offensive lineman that they, they liked. They knew they could come back with at seven if, if they took Neil. So I know that's a confusing convoluted kind of side trip there, but yeah, I mean, there, there were some teams that seemed pretty turned off by the interview process with Thibodeau. Not that he was a bad kid, but that he was just a little bit confident, um, overconfident and uh you know maybe self-centered in their in their view there were other teams that that kind of embraced his personality and felt like yeah this is the kind of alpha dog that that we need and so you know obviously the giants felt the latter you know and maybe the jets and other teams felt the former Sounds like the Jets had Jermaine Johnson ranked above Kayvon Thibodeau. Rich Semini of ESPN came out the day of the draft and said he'd be surprised if the Jets took Thibodeau, even if he was available at number 10. The Jets didn't take Jermaine Johnson at number 10. They took Garrett Wilson, and we talked about that before. I was curious what you know about why Jermaine Johnson fell all the way to 26. It's kind of a weird trajectory with him because, Eric, before the Senior Bowl, everybody thought, Maybe he was going to be picked in the 20s, somewhere in that mid to late first round area. Then the senior bowl happened. He shot up boards. Then we heard he could go inside the top 10. A lot of people thought he could go number nine to Seattle or perhaps at number 10 to the Jets. Instead, he slides all the way to 26. What do you think happened here? Well, I think there were there were more teams that felt, you know, that that initial grade that you kind of mentioned, lower first round pick was really where he was always kind of destined to go and you know I know he's coming off a 12 sack season I think there was some feeling that his pass rush ability was maybe a little bit overblown that he was a you know more seasoned and prepared run defender at this point than he was a a a pass rush you know winner at a high rate you know this is somebody who obviously made a lot of hustle plays and you know used his power to to kind of get into the backfield and things like that so I do feel like there is some some pass rush technique that needs to be taught there. So, you know, again, just talking to teams, a lot of them ended up having him close to where he ended up getting picked, you know, kind of in that 
20 to 30 range. He was never going to fall out of the first round. And I'm pretty confident about that. There were, there were a couple teams picking behind uh, where the Jets got him, who I think would have, would have ended that streak. But, you know, sometimes it comes down to a coin flip situation where you have two players with similar grades or, you know, one might even be slightly higher, but the other one's at a need position or you have, you know, two 23 free agents at the, at the spot, or, you know, there's some other consideration that, that tilts you one way or the other. And, you know, so it looks like, wow, he's, he's dropping like a stone, but really I, I know of at least one team fairly relatively high who I think was, was considering him based on what I knew coming into the draft and felt pretty confident because everything that team told me ended up playing out pretty well. But um, I'm a big fan. I like Johnson. I really do. I think he, he plays with an edge. He's an intense kid. You know, he, he's really made a, a lot of himself coming from Juco. You know, he struggled academically in high school, went to Georgia, made his mark, but clearly felt like, boy, it's, it's going to be hard to really get in and, and crack this rotation goes to Florida state and has, you know, makes the most of it and had a, you know, was earned team captain right away and and was named ACC defensive player of the year and really, you know, had a standout season. But again, I just feel like there were some teams that, you know, especially for an older prospect, one who's going to turn 24 at the end of his rookie year, uh, that maybe the upside wasn't quite as high as some people perceived it to be. Eric, the Jets picked three times in the first round, and it's funny because a lot of people thought this would happen, but they didn't think it was going to happen this way. They thought maybe corner and edge rusher and a trade-up for receiver. Instead, the trade-up happens for the pass rusher. What did you think about how Joe Douglas played this? Because it seemed to me that, as you said, every step of the way he had a good feel for what was happening. They felt like they couldn't get that corner they wanted at number 10, so they struck at four. They felt like they couldn't get the receiver they wanted later in the first round. So they struck at 10 and then they ended up making that move up to 26 to get Jermaine Johnson. So they filled all three of those needs that most Jets fans felt were their three biggest and most important needs. What did you think of what Joe Douglas did in its entirety in the first round? I know a lot of analytics guys didn't love it for some of the reasons that you just said about Jermaine Johnson. And then, of course, the whole argument about trading up versus trading down and value and all that. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, you know, what, what what Douglas has told us, they had a strong grade on Jermaine Johnson, you know. So if you want to talk league value versus, you know, team value, that's a fine discussion. The trade-up, you know, debate is one that I think is worthy and, and worth having and, and, you know, hashing out and trying to figure out, hey, just because what we believe, you know, let's look at back at the numbers and see how often trade-ups actually worked and was it worth what they gave up and things like that. If there was ever a year to trade up, this was probably it. I mean, again, with the, the quarterback uncertainty kind of, I don't know, watering down the market, so to speak. I mean, yeah, there were a couple teams that seemingly overpaid, depending on what, you know, point chart you want to look at or, or what, you know, historical uh, uh, comps and things like that. You know, I thought moving up nine, ten spots like they did and, and you know, I don't know, boy, it wasn't giving up. A, a ton. I mean, I don't think it was anything insane. I mean, it was you know, pretty good value, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just sort of felt like that they kind of had to or felt compelled to at that point. What was it? A, you know, a second, a third, and a fifth for a first and a third? I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't really think that's anything bad at all. So, you know, that 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 kind of value made sense for them. Like you said, they kind of were able to check off boxes. And, you know, I, I always say, you know, 
the teams shouldn't try to play whack-a-mole and, and fill every single need, you know, that they possibly can. But when it lines up like this, where, you know, I don't think anyone, you know, would, would argue that Sauce Gardner was some hor- horrendous reach at four that, you know, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson shouldn't have gone at 10 or Johnson. You know, they all went roughly where people thought they would go or maybe even a tiny bit lower. So, you know, that and then come back in round two and make a good pick as well. I mean, it just... I'm okay with the process. I felt like it worked out pretty well. This this felt like, you know, Joe's last couple drafts have led up to this one and really kind of set the table for for this type of scenario uh, unfolding. I thought so too. And speaking of setting the table, I had talked a lot about this over the offseason. I felt like getting one of those real feature backs that can do it all, like a Brees Hall, would be a great move for the Jets. I thought maybe they could move down a little bit in the second and get that done, but obviously they couldn't because if they wanted Hall, they had to jump Houston. Everybody knew that Houston was going to take him with their second round pick. But I thought not only would he be good for the development of Zach Wilson, take some of the pressure off. We've talked a lot about the Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch dynamic when Wilson first came into the league with the Seahawks. But also, you're talking about a situation where you plugged up a lot of these holes, but it all became sort of like a puzzle where the pieces fell into place. So they signed Lake and Tomlinson. Now all of a sudden they have a significantly better offensive line and a bunch of guys that can run block. They signed two tight ends, C.J. Ozama and Tyler Conklin, two much better tight ends than what they had had, a big upgrade, and guys that can run block. And then you talk about some of the receivers that can run block. Corey Davis, we know, is a really good blocker, for example. And so you put all those pieces together, and now if you were to slot a really good running back behind that offensive line, and we all love Michael Carter, good player, but he's a smaller guy, going to wear down if he gets a ton of carries. Now it makes sense. In a vacuum, taking a running back in the second round, maybe you question whether or not that's the best move. But when you consider all the surrounding moves, I think it made a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, I really, I, watching this process play out was kind of fascinating to me because it, it was very similar to how the Indianapolis Colts constructed their backfield. And the guy to whom I compared Brees Hall was sort of a, you know, Jonathan Taylor light. I mean, that's really what I've seen. Other people may disagree, and that's fine. If you want to tell me he's a different back, that's okay. But he's a tough runner with great speed and just a little smaller than Taylor. I mean, that's that's really the biggest difference right there, in my opinion. So, you know, you look at how the Colts got Naheem Hines. I believe they got him first and somewhere around the fourth round, which is about where they Jets got Carter. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was the next year, maybe two years later, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that Taylor fell into their laps in the early second round or not fell into their laps, but they they moved up for him, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it just sort of a similar construction. I don't know if that was just coincidence or not, but obviously, you know, the, people kind of gripe about the value of the the backfield, you know, the running back position and, and a shared backfield. And, well, Carter had a nice promising year last year. But think about what these guys can do together. You know, I mean, it, it's not as if, you know, Taylor came into the league with questions about his number one is fumbling. That's not been an issue for, for Brees, but also his receiving ability. You know, how how much could he actually do? Well, the Colts figured out that you can throw Jonathan Taylor the ball. I mean, he's gotten, you know, 70 passes his first couple of years or whatever it's been. And and I think the same is true for Hall, but you also happen to have this sort of ideal third down back who can compliment him beautifully. And you don't you don't wear these guys down and their careers become longer and you know, you you can you can justify using a fifth year or not a fifth year option because it's a second round pick, but you can justify giving him a second contract if 
you know, if it makes sense for your team, if he's good enough. Right. So I, yeah, there's just a lot of fascinating aspects to it. And, um, you know, they draft Rucker too, who is mm-hmm. look, I know he's known as a receiver, but it gives good effort in the run game as well. And you're right. I mean, we don't know what the Becton situation is up front, but you'd have to imagine this is a better offensive line. I think Ali Vera Tucker will be better. You know, I mean, there's there, you know, the interior I think looks solid. And so, you know, if you figured out the tackle position, if that's going to be what you're going to roll with, with Fant and Becton and they drafted Mitchell and, you know, whoever else is there and, um, and just got Nate Herbig too. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's looking better. So I, I like, uh, I like the whole kind of construction. And now, like you said, it really does kind of put the pressure on Wilson to, uh, to step up and do his job and uh, take a, take a big leap in, in year two. No question. And if anybody comes after Zach Wilson, they're going to have to deal with Michael Clemens, who has quickly become yeah. a fan favorite among Jets fans. He was one of the guys that the Jets picked after the initial onslaught with those first four. So let's talk about Jeremy Ruckert, Michael Clemens, and Max Mitchell, the offensive lineman from Louisiana. What'd you think of those picks? Ruckert was interesting. He's a fan favorite because he's from Long Island, grew up a Jets fan. The Jets right. didn't necessarily need him, but value-wise, they really liked him. And you can look at what happened with a guy like Tyler Conklin, for example, who ended up signing a nice contract with the Jets. He took time to develop. Originally, he was a third tight end, turned into one of the better options with Minnesota, and then ends up coming to the Jets. So maybe that type of path is in Jeremy Ruckert's future. And then you look at Max Mitchell, who did really well at the Senior Bowl, has some pretty good tape. A little bit of a developmental player, but they needed some depth behind Becton and Fant, who are both coming off of injuries. And at that spot, I thought it was pretty good. And Michael Clemens, this guy is scary in all the best ways. Just a giant human being who you do not want to mess with. And he's got some pretty impressive tape, too. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason he went in the fourth round instead of the first. But he flashed quite a bit. I know he's an older prospect and had some off-the-field stuff. But I thought the Jets did reasonably well after those first four picks. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, like you said, the record pick, you know, a lot of people sort of felt like prior to free agency, wow, they're going to draft this kid in the third round and this is going to be a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, they make those moves and you kind of wonder, okay, is this still in, in the cards? But I'm okay with having a third tight end who happens to be a, you know, a, a good athlete who can, uh, you know, I know he had the, the foot injury that prevented him from working out, but I think athletically speaking, you can see him you know, move down the seam and, and say, yeah, this is somebody who runs well. And, um, you know, the, the receiving production never quite matched his flashes in college, but obviously you have to look at the surrounding situation and see what they had at Ohio state. And they were so loaded at wide receiver that, you know, outside of the Clemson game, uh, you know, in 2020, where they were able to kind of feature him a little bit, or, you know, I mean, outside of a couple games here and there, his usage was low. He has all the earmarks of being eventually, whether it's the Conklin route where it takes three, four years or a little bit sooner than that, a better pro than he was a college player. Um, he's not a special player where he can, uh, you know, break tackles and, and, and have this creative open field uh, uh, quickness and all that stuff. But I think he moves well. He's got a nice long, you know, frame to, to be able to snag the ball, but yeah, I, I thought it was it was absolutely decent value at that point. Yeah, Max Mitchell wasn't my favorite offensive line prospect in this class, but I like him. And, you know, not a phenomenal athlete at all, but as you said, he stepped up in competition at the senior bowl, held his own. I wouldn't say he was dominant, but I would say, you know, he did he did pretty well. Moves moves 
moves okay. You know, light on his feet, you know, good length at over six foot six and pretty good wingspan. I mean, he's, you know, he played right tackle last year, mostly right tackle the year before, played a little bit of guard, a little bit of left tackle prior to that. Uh, another kid who's, you know, on the older side, but not old, old. I mean, he's, I think, 23. And so, uh, hardworking kid. You know, I, I got to talk to him a little bit the combine. You know, he's he's sort of got the, you know, the laid back vibe, but then you watch him play and he plays plays hard. I wouldn't say he's a power player, but I would say he, you know, I think does a pretty good job uh, when, when facing power and dealing with it. So, you know, he's a, he was a good uh, a good tackle prospect to take at that stage of the draft. And yeah, you're right about Clemens. I mean, I thought I was sort of in the uh, the, the Clemens fan club a little higher than other people. I like those sort of big, burly, nasty uh, tone setters on the outside. And and yeah, you're right. He was a player who's going to, I believe, turn 25 this summer, if I'm not mistaken. He had the, you know, the couple years at, at JUCO, then he went to A&M, then I believe he had a foot injury, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, again, I, and I know there were various other injuries throughout his career that, that definitely, affected his his draft stock there's no question uh off-field stuff as you mentioned uh you know a suspension last year uh the um arrest with the 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 weapons actually got arrested twice is that right i believe and and you know there's some decision making especially for an older player that you have to question that i think had he had a cleaner uh character record you know we're talking about a player who who belonged in the top hundred so you know, to get him where they did, even with the red flags, I think he's got enough traits. He's a he's a he's a strong guy. You know, he had good on-field leadership quotient that I think can't be overlooked. You know, he he looks the part. He is going to be that tone setter. He and Jermaine Johnson will be the you know the intense practice guys. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I mean his 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 season last year was maybe a little bit overlooked at times because of. Uh, I don't know. There were just other players, whether it's Marvin Leal or, or you know, even Leon O'Neill to a degree. I mean, there were other AM defenders that probably got a little more uh, attention than he did. But you could see that this was a a real tough guy with uh, with with length and power that uh, that has something worth grooming. I think. Eric, we joked before we started recording that everything's on paper now. Talk to me in three years about who actually did well in this draft. But right. still, just based on the knowledge of what we have right now, let's talk a little bit about the Jets and some of the other teams here. What did you think of the Jets draft overall? Who were some of the winners and losers in this process? And what were some of the best values and biggest surprises in terms of the individual players that got selected? Yeah, I think I gave one of the, the higher grades to the Jets. They were one of my, you know, four or five favorite team drafts. And I love the fact that they, you know, wrapped up in mid-round four and could start working on their their undrafted free agents, start making early calls on, on uh, guys they liked and things uh, to that nature. I think there's a, you know, there's an interesting little uh, story to be kicked around there. You know, some people will stockpile those late picks, but... We know how teams kind of go about their their business when it comes to the undrafted free agents. You kind of start lining those guys up some point on day three and you start figuring out, okay, who's calling who, how much money are we offering? And, you know, the Jets were able to start that process a little bit early. That's kind of a, a nice little advantage to, to having all your picks done inside the top, what, 150 or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Ravens got high marks for me and, 
you know, there were a few other teams that I really felt like, you know, did, Texans, I thought, did a pretty good job. You know, we, we kind of – they're an easy mark in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you could argue whether the picket pick was was great, but I think the Steelers did pretty well for themselves. You know, I probably like Green Bay's picks more than some other people did. I thought Detroit did a good job, you know, obviously with their first two selections in particular, but but also afterward as well. And, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was, it was obvious that uh, a lot of people like myself kind of question what the Patriots did. I've kind of warmed up to their draft a little bit the more I've thought about it. I, I still don't think that they maximize their value, but, you know, they, there's there's some people in the league who actually think Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton are good football players and that – you know, they, they'll do okay for themselves. So, um, you know, obviously it, it, it's going to be a case by case basis. You know, some people are just going to say, no, that's, that's not how, how I would have done it. But, um, you know, and again, keeping in the division, I thought the bills, you know, targeted real specific areas that they thought they could upgrade like corner number two corner opposite white, uh, James cook, adding another big play threat in the backfield and, and trying to figure out how to, how to stack those running backs, just adding one more layer, uh, to, to that special teams got upgraded, no question. Um, and then a couple of late picks that, that probably helped them out as well. And yeah, I mean, it, it really, the dolphins obviously cast their lot quite a bit with, with the Tyreek Hill trade, you know, did love every single pick they made, had a couple of selections that I thought were, were a little bit questioning questionable, but Channing Tindall, I thought was a great value at 103 or wherever they got him. So yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a fascinating draft. You know, people focused on the quarterbacks and I certainly understand why. Uh, but you know, I think we're going to look back and be surprised at how much depth there is. Maybe not a ton of superstars from this draft, but in terms of volume, I, I, this technically is one of the deepest drafts in deepest drafts in NFL history because of all the COVID year kids who, who spent the extra year and came, you know, went back to school. I, I really think it, it bolstered the day three lot. And it also probably made the undrafted pool deeper than it normally would be. Eric Edholm, lead draft analyst for Yahoo Sports. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Always glad to have you on the show. Talk a little Dale Murphy, talk a little NFL draft, talk about the Jets, all of that. So it's always a blast. Looking forward to having you back soon. I know that demands on your time have dropped off quite a bit now, so I might have better luck getting you more frequently at this time of year. For those that want to check out what you're working on, follow you on social media, how can they do that? Yeah, Eric at home over at Yahoo Sports. My Twitter handle is Eric with a C underscore at home, E-D-H-O-L-M. And uh, yeah, I'll be taking a little time off at the end of May, a little family vacation that we've been planning for a couple of years. So that's exciting. But I, I'll be back at it uh, shortly after that. And once we hit July, it's uh, it's full steam ahead. So yeah, I'll happily come on anytime you want to talk football, talk Jets, talk Dale. I'm, I'm game. <laughs> July is going to be training camp. It's going to be full steam ahead on this podcast too. make sure that yes. you're following Eric on social media and reading his work over at Yahoo Sports. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great All-22 breakdowns of the prospects that we were talking about today that the Jets drafted. So watch the videos, subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've 
We've got the John Franklin Myers Quinn and Williams Bless You Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. Tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.